Welcome to Tactical and Practical Live, an HCI podcast that brings you practical knowledge and concrete ways to win the war for talent. Now coming to you live from HCI's Main Street studio in downtown Cincinnati, here is your host, Alan Mellish. Welcome everyone to this, the inaugural episode of the Human Capital Institute's Tactical and Practical Live. I am Alan Mellish and rhubarb pie is my spirit animal. This is the HCI podcast where we pick a topic and do a deep dive with a subject matter expert to get practical advice, tactics, and tools to help you solve your human capital challenges. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone to rate and subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. If you've got a comment on Twitter, you can use the hashtag HCILive to give us your thoughts. Today, our topic is sourcing great talent, and my guest is Frank Sprague. Frank is the Senior Manager of Recruiting and Sourcing at Blackboard, and he's also going to be presenting at HCI's 2018 Strategic Talent Acquisition Conference in Miami. The conference runs from June 5th through the 7th, so register now on HCI.org. Or if you're watching this live on Facebook, you can click on the Shop button right about there in the left-hand sidebar of the player. Frank, welcome to Tactical and Practical. Great to be here. Excellent. So uh, let's get started. And I want to, um, because your company is well known to many, but not all, I wanted to give you a chance to explain a little bit about what Blackboard is and, uh, and, and how it works. Sure. So uh, Blackboard is a software development company. We make software uh, that is uh, really for the education community, education technology. Uh, our customer base almost exclusively is colleges, universities, school districts, uh, but we will sell to uh, anyone who wants to give us money. So uh, uh, that's what we do. We have a whole suite of products that really take the educational experience and make it more electronic. Excellent, yeah. So. Um... Now to move into our topic of the day, I wanted to get your, I wanted to define the terms of the discussion so that uh, everybody's kind of on the same page at home. So how would you define sourcing and how it fits into talent acquisition as a whole? Yeah, so I think sourcing means a lot of different things to different companies, but in general, the uh, sourcing function is really the, the initial stage of candidate identification. And from company to company, the actual real functions of the sourcing function might be a little bit different. Uh, for us, it really is candidate identification and attraction and really focuses on that. Some companies will, will take it into candidate uh, uh, screening and, and also uh, initial kind of initial part of the recruitment process before it's handed over to a recruiter. Uh, but in general, sourcing is the candidate identification and attraction part of talent acquisition. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, and I think it's it's interesting how some you know uh, in some organizations you're a for a full cycle recruiter where you you own for the minute a requisition opens you own the sourcing all the way to the offer letter and uh, and at the end of the hiring process. Whereas in other companies or for certain co roles in certain companies, there are uh, people who specialize in sourcing uh, where the recruiters are doing other stuff. Right, and so, so for us, uh, the recruiters are really responsible for full end-to-end -end, uh, recruitment uh, for a position, and our sourcing function really is an augmentation of that, as well as the strategic function that focuses on uh, recruiting brand management, employment brand, uh, being able to really identify and pipeline 
repeatable uh, profiles that we, we have open on a regular basis and really is much more strategic in, in that focus. Uh, and that allows the recruiter to really focus on individual candidate management and relationship development. Right, trying to have a, a division of labor that's helpful for, for everybody involved. Exactly. Yeah, so um, when, you're, when you're getting, you know, within that framework of, of sourcing, when you're, uh, when you're getting ready to devise a strategy or think about uh, whether it's for an individual role or a whole group of roles, what kind of questions should uh, should somebody be asking themselves and their their stakeholders when they're getting when they're preparing to source? Uh, you mean preparing to build a sourcing function? Is that what you mean? Uh, no, I mean preparing to uh, just a strategy for sourcing. Let's assume they already have a, a uh, sourcing function. Yeah. So so for us, uh, the the sourcing function uh, will join any type of kickoff meeting or initial kind of uh, download meeting that occurs between the recruiter and the hiring manager or hiring team or executive or whoever that is. And uh, uh, joins that conversation, really uh, listens uh, to understand what it is that the hiring team is looking for and also uh, provides a lot of uh, context and, and value in in what has happened in prior uh, sourcing cycles and recruiting cycles to really be able to help shape the search and help uh, the hiring manager understand uh, the ease or difficulty that would occur in that particular recruiting cycle. Got it. Yeah, and then, so when you're, uh, when you're in that meeting, what, uh, what, kind of, uh, what kind of specific questions do you want to have answers to when you leave? Yeah, so it starts, uh, the, the discussion really is a couple of parts. One is it is a going through of the job description itself, mm -hmm. and it is understanding uh, uh, what, what the bullet points actually mean, what the hiring manager is trying to get across, uh, whether it is position responsibilities or requirements of the job, being able to go through all of those bullet points and make sure what the person who wrote the uh, job description, most likely the hiring manager, what they actually mean by those those bullet points or the paragraphs or the sentences that they have created uh, really conveys to not only the people that are looking for the person, but also to any end user, which would be any candidate or applicant. Uh, and a lot of times uh, uh, you find that it isn't always conveyed as clearly as what the hiring manager or writer of the job description thinks it is. And, and so there's a lot of discussion about that. And then uh, depending on what company you have, uh, you're working with and, and the flexibility within the job description itself, uh, there is quite oftentimes a reshaping of the job description to make it more marketable uh, and, and easy to understand. Uh, and then also some education with the hiring team as well. Uh, I'm sure everyone is familiar with the, the job description that is seven pages long right. and uh, one that might be a little bit overly detailed and has 40 to 50 bullet points that are all requirements of the job. And, and so some questions that, that usually start uh, as you go down that path are, uh, how long are you willing to be patient to find the right person? Mm -hmm. uh, are all of these really, truly a requirement? Or do you just want to hope that someone has some of these? and and that's where the, a lot of that discussion around the job description occurs is in reshaping the job description and getting it to be something that is more marketable and something that uh, people will want to apply to. Uh, uh, and it, it, it is, uh, like any good relationship, a little bit of give and take on both sides. 
Sure. Yeah, I remember hearing uh, somebody mentioned that they um, uh, it was an entrepreneur and uh, he talked about you know, him or one of his entrepreneur friends uh, had a job where uh, he used the the super long job description as a uh, as a as a test as a screening device because at the uh, he wrote a super long detailed job description and then at the bottom he put something like uh, you know if you want the uh, if you want to be considered for this job you know please include a um, uh, please include the word friend in your uh, in your email subject line or something like that just to see if somebody made it all the you know this is the brown m&ms uh theory of selection and hiring right and and that would be a great job description for a proofreader or somewhere right. along those lines right. that really uh, embraces that uh other other uh jobs might not be so good for people yeah. that just skim never get past the third bullet point uh right and and that is a great example of really tailoring a job description to the audience that you want. And something that is six or seven pages long might be somewhat appealing to someone who wants to uh, be a paralegal or, or someone who really enjoys uh, a healthy amount of reading uh, <laughs> that, that, that then becomes appealing to them. Others, uh, that job description might be a turnoff long before they get to page two. So again, it's, a, it's really good, good to really have that open and candid conversation and be able to understand that both hiring team and recruiting team have a really good understanding of, of what's trying to be accomplished here. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you mentioned um, knowing your uh, knowing your audience when you're when you're putting together a good job description, and I imagine that's pretty important throughout the the sourcing process, where you are, uh, you know, the the way that you approach uh, potential candidates, the way the places you look for them, that's all going to be that's all going to be hopefully a reflection of how well you understand the the target audience. For sure, uh, because you don't look for everyone in the same spot. And uh, a lot of what sourcing is about is understanding where the people hang out. And so for us, we, we hire a lot of software engineers, software developers. And so there are specific places that they hang out, places like GitHub and Stack Overflow. Uh, they don't hang out as much on LinkedIn. And so being able to find the specific hangout uh, for a particular profile or position that you're looking for uh, certainly helps in, in the sourcing process and identifying, as well as the marketing of it. Uh, uh, a subset for us is security, application security, system security. And uh, before I got here, I never knew that there was a a whole society and organization dedicated to application and system security. Mm. But uh, what we do know today that we didn't know seven years ago is that if you put, post your job on that particular website, you are only going to get people that are almost entirely qualified for the job and you won't get many, but all of them are really good. And so being able to extrapolate that out to all of the other uh, profiles within a company and understanding where it is that the group hangs out is critical to being able to uh, get the right candidate faster. Yeah, um, you're reminding me of a uh, uh, an anecdote. Somebody somebody was trying to hire not software engineers, but um, uh, real world engineers, people who worked on big construction projects. And um, they she was saying, uh, I don't know how they figured it out, but they were advertising in this sort of industry magazine, this monthly industry magazine that everybody um, that everybody subscribed to, and they weren't getting that much. Um, uh, that much of a response, 
But then um, they realized that a lot of the people who uh, who subscribed to that magazine had the right profile, but they hardly ever read the magazine. Like they <laughs> they had it on their desk. It was probably free, right? They just got it as part of their dues to the whatever professional association, and they found that they actually got a better result advertising in like um, uh, a field and stream. I think was the example she brought up. <laughs> so again, another point, and certainly uh, when you talk about the sourcing of candidates, we talk about the the job description and the posting of that too. Uh, there is a certain amount of reading and not reading uh, when you talk about direct outreach as well and some of the challenges that you have with that so uh, that doesn't surprise me and uh, certainly see a lot of that uh, when you think you are certainly posting in the right place but still don't necessarily get the type of application flow that you would like right yeah and so um, I, I guess I want to uh, get a sense of what are some of the tools and skills you found are um, really useful in uh, in sourcing talent? Obviously, some of this will change, you know, based on industry and the profile you're looking for. But what are what are some things that are pretty uh, uh, that you would want to at least walk into in your tool, walk into any situation with your in your tool build? Yeah. So so well, you said two things there: tools and skills. Let me start with skills because right. I think that one's a shorter answer. Huh. Uh, but for, for us and for me in particular, what we look for are people that are, are passionate about research, uh, passionate about uh, uh, not wanting to give up on a search, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and that because a lot of sourcing ends up going down a lot of rabbit holes that are not fruitful and, and knowing when to get out of that rabbit hole and look for the next one and keep going on and on and, and not becoming discouraged with that. And then because part of the function for the sorcerer as well for us is initial outreach, uh, being able to handle rejection uh, and a lot of it hmm. and uh, a lot of silence on the other end is, is critical to uh, them being successful and not, not being uh, dejected by 75 to 90% rejection, <laughs> uh, which, which can, can wear on people at times. Yeah. So I would say that about the skill set. And then uh, tools uh, for HR technology and recruiting in general, there are, there are so many buckets of tools out there. Uh, you talk about applicant tracking systems, customer relationship management, uh, contact finders, web aggregators, interview specific tools, uh, referral specific tools, uh, marketing tools, scheduling tools, screening tools, uh, and then just sourcing tools in particular, that there is really, uh, it, there's so many, uh, hundreds of, upon hundreds of uh, different applications out there. And uh, I think if you talk about uh, specific tools in general, uh, it really depends on, on what's in one's tool set to begin with. Mm -hmm. And it's probably safe to say that in the beginning, you start at the beginning uh, with an applicant tracking system, it's probably fair that almost every organization has one of those. Yeah. And some of those are, are more platform oriented, meaning that they do more than just track the applicants. They have other modules that perform other functions. And certainly there are a lot of applications like that. Uh, but uh, it starts with the kind of the breadth of the platform of the applicant tracking system. And then you build on the tool set after that. And I'm, I'm sure you'll probably want me to mention some tools specifically. Uh, and I, Certainly don't want to leave anyone out or, or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think I think the the answer to anyone's tool set is 
what, what do you have today? And most likely that starts with your applicant tracking system. And then what else do you need out of that other list of everything that I mentioned? Gotcha. Yeah. And um, uh, you mentioned scheduling tools and that made me think, you know, is, uh, is product is sort of time management and productivity uh, a big part of, uh, of being successful here? Not, not only just having that skill set or that discipline, but also um, finding so, ways to automate or, uh, or speed up your process. So even within scheduling, there are multiple buckets. So, <laughs> so within scheduling, there are, there are the tools that will automate the scheduling for you. Mm-hmm. And so they might integrate with Outlook or Gmail or, or, or something like that, and then be able to do a certain amount of automation uh, based on some criteria, do direct outreach with the candidate or other people that are interviewing, and be able to come uh, on an agreed upon schedule uh, using that. But also with, with, with scheduling, there are uh, applications that will handle the uh, the interview itself, meaning that you can actually go to a third-party application that will that will create a venue, kind of like what we're using today, mm-hmm. and right. be able to make it, uh, uh, a meeting time and be able to have uh, disparate parties be able to join a, a group or a bridge uh, at a singular time to be able to conduct an interview. Uh, so. So like I said, within scheduling itself, there are multiple buckets, multiple applications that do well with that. Uh, scheduling is one that we don't use. We, we have uh, Microsoft Office uh, 365, uh, and our applicant tracking system has a scheduling function within that. Mm-hmm. And so, so we don't really use much outside of that. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and then what's your advice for, I mean, this kind of applies to everybody who's got a job, but uh, what's your advice on how to, if you're a, a budding news sourcer or an old pro, what's your advice on time management, on breaking breaking tasks up and breaking your research up from other things? Well, my first piece of advice is don't get discouraged uh, because <laughs> that's probably the, the most important thing there. Uh, but as far as time management, it really is a factor of, uh, a few things, and, and we we have a, uh, a what we call a burn down sheet, uh, where uh, positions are prioritized. Uh, each recruiter prioritizes all of their positions, mm-hmm. and then uh, the the sourcing team is able to look at uh, the burn down sheet and figure out exactly uh, what is a high priority. How much time have they spent on it already? Is this a, a, a situation where we need to identify more candidates, or we need to reach out to more candidates? and then being able to budget time for that, uh, possibly pushing some of maybe the outreach back to the recruiter because uh, they need to focus on uh, the actual identification candidates a little bit more. So we have uh, we use a, an internal tool where we uh, are able to, to, to budget that time back and forth, and it's an open discussion between the two groups. Uh, uh, they work really well together. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that, that, that practice of, um... You know, obviously, the recruiter should should know which uh, which which positions are the uh, the highest priority. But I guess what kind of uh, what goes into that decision making as far as uh, how you identify and prioritize your roles that are open. Uh, yeah, uh, for myself, it starts with how loudly is a particular hiring manager screaming at me. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and that certainly is part of that decision making process. Uh, I think also it is. It, it starts with how difficult is it to fill the position? Mm-hmm. Can we expect a lot of people to apply to the job versus having to go out and find them ourselves? Um, I think those are really two 
critical components to making that decision, as well as how long has the position been open, uh, what, what are the challenges, have we just recently changed the profile and what we're looking for. So a lot of kind of the tactical things that are involved in, in being able to uh, find the right person. Uh, it, it's, I don't want to imply that it's a real equation. It, mm-hmm. It's really a discussion for everyone, and, and that's, that's how we handle it. Yeah. And so I would imagine, too, that um, sometimes you have to get pretty creative if there's somebody who's high priority or high difficulty to to get a hold of. Um, you know, what are uh, what what element does creativity play when you're uh, when you know the profile of who you're looking for, but you're just not getting the response that you want to get from those people? Yeah, it's uh, so our our. We have a whatever it takes mentality, yeah. And so we will uh, uh, web aggregators, and there's a few of those tools out there that really aggregate someone's online presence. So if you have a LinkedIn account, a Facebook account, a Git mm. account, uh, uh, everything else, a Yelp account, uh, that uh, all of those different profiles are aggregated, and you're able to get different account and and email information and be able to reach out to people in a variety of ways. Uh, the sourcing team here uh, gets pretty creative with that. Uh, uh, specifically, uh, I mentioned Yelp. Uh, there was a, a, a time when one of the sourcers had reached out to someone, knew they were an excellent candidate, and uh, reached out to them about six or seven times uh, via LinkedIn, via personal email address, via uh, work email address, which is not always appreciated. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then finally got so frustrated, and this goes to the don't get discouraged component of it, uh, she realized that, uh, that the person had a Yelp account. She signed up for Yelp, uh, sent a direct message to them in Yelp, and the person actually uh, replied to that message, and, and we were able to uh, move forward with them at that point. And, and basically their, their response, their reply in Yelp was, this is weird, but I'm interested. <laughs> so... so uh, so we do get pretty creative with that. Uh, we've done other things. Uh, uh, I'll just uh, say that uh, Amazon as well. Amazon, uh, uh, you can do some uh, research on Amazon and realize that people have gift registries. Oh, uh, yeah. We are, we are not above sending someone a gift uh, on Amazon if it uh, fits within our budget, just to, uh, with a personalized note to be able to get them uh, uh, to just respond sometimes, just to be able to uh, get them into the uh, process. Yeah, nothing gets the attention like a, an edible arrangeable. <laughs> right, or or the last wedding gift on their registry right. that no one else got. Right. Uh, yeah, that uh, absolutely works for sure. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> what you said earlier that uh, this is weird, but I'm interested. That that feels like there there's a great autobiography title in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> This is weird, yeah. but I'm interested. The Alan Mellish story. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I, uh, we're uh, we've still got a little bit of time left. I wanted to d- spend at least a little bit of time thinking about uh, asking you to share um, uh, how do you you know how do you measure the success of your team and uh, uh, and how do you give them encouragement or 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 nudges in the right direction when when they're uh, when they're not. Uh, uh, when they're missing the mark, or how would you approach that? Well, um, so again, it goes back to not not being discouraged, and mm-hmm. we have a team meeting every week that uh, that we we call uh, 
an emotionally safe zone uh-huh. uh, where people can really kind of uh, share their frustrations and not worry about uh, uh, any type of uh, evaluation of their efforts. Right. And and it it really helps with people just being able to express their frustrations and. And also, we, we have a really strong team here where everyone gets along mm-hmm. and really is supportive of each other. And what happens when it, uh, in that meeting is uh, ideas are shared and, and really obstacles are overcome. And, and we're really very fortunate to have a team that, that, that works like that here. Yeah. And uh, so that's one thing. And then also just in one-on-one or throughout the day, being able to just uh, be supportive and, and really uh, uh, coach and, and more counsel than coach uh, and just trying to keep people's spirits up and, and focused and understand that uh, that uh, they shouldn't focus on the 90% rejection, they should focus on the 10% positive, and, and that will really, really uh, hopefully help them get through and, and get to the other side. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I started off at, uh, my career in sales support, and uh, so a lot of the language you're using is sort of familiar there in that the... the um, uh, you know, sourcing, you know, if recruiting is the sales and marketing of HR, then sourcing is the cold calling uh, of, uh, of HR. Uh, For sure. And, uh, <laughs> and certainly that is a big part of, uh, of, of the process for us. Uh, and I think also for us, too, it's, it's part of that employment branding. And, and uh, uh, one of the people on the team now is really focused on, on building out our, our wheat chat presence in China. Mm. And so uh, not having to dig down rabbit holes all day long and being able to focus on other things throughout the day as well. Uh, projects like that or, or other things, just uh, another one is working on just uh, uh, managing uh, our uh, being able to get surveys in, into our applicant tracking system for candidates that make it to certain points within the uh, uh, interview process and understanding how their experience was and maybe other things that we could be doing. So. So it isn't a hundred percent cold calling and action. Uh, you want to be able to mix in some other things that uh, at least make them feel good about themselves. So. Yeah, well, and all the all of those things are are pretty have the potential to be pretty high value things too, um, beyond just giving them something something to um, learn and do that is is different and maybe a little uh, you know maybe a little less. Uh, uh, you know, 90% rejection kind of thing. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I think that's, uh, that's definitely something I think for, if anybody's leading a sourcing team out there, finding, finding opportunities to do that, uh, for your, for your people is definitely, um, sounds like a great way to go. So, um, we're coming to the end of our time here today. So I do want to, um, I, I think I think that's a pretty good note to wrap up on. Is sort of the uh, you know here's the here's the guts of it, and then here's also what you can devote these people to. Um, you know when you've got a good mix of sourcing, straight sourcing activities, and then also working on the brand, the can the candidate experience. Um, that survey stuff is huge. Not enough companies do um, do a. You can take a simple, pretty simple survey of seeing, and people get great results from just asking. So for sure. So um, with that, I think we are ready to uh, to call it a day here. I want to say thank you so much, Frank, for being here. It's a uh, you've been very generous with your time and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the conference. Well, thanks for inviting me and I'm looking forward to the conference as well and and uh, being somewhere that it isn't single digits uh, uh, temperature. So uh, very excited <laughs> about that. So. 
Yes, yes. Come to Miami, everybody. Um, yep. All right. So I think that's all the time we have for today. And uh, once again, thank Frank for being so generous. And I want, if you want to learn more about Frank, again, I mentioned uh, you can sign up for the Strategic Talent Acquisition Conference in June in Miami, Florida. And you can learn all about that on hci.org or by clicking the shop button on our Facebook uh, page here. And if you have a comment, question, or suggestion for the show, please email us at tpl at hci.org. We just might read it on the next show. So don't forget to rate us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Alan Mellish.